AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. You know, you can tell that the legislative process is ramping up in Washington, D.C., and we are talking with one representative today that seems to have his priorities very much set for the next couple of years, and then it's time for the Farmer Forum, Foreign Ownership of Land, the Beef Cow Herd Ethanol, SAF, CO2 Pipelines. Man, we better get this thing started. Live from Davis Month's First Via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we begin with a conversation with Representative Randy Feenstra. Then it's our Farmer Forum with Tim Barak and Bob Birdsell. And right after the news, Margie Echelkamp from The Scoop. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. See, everybody waits to see if that silly groundhog is going to see its shadow on February 2nd. Mm-hmm. Me? Me? I would rather wait until February 22nd uh-huh. and see if a handsome newsman sees his shadow or not. Or actually shows up to work on that or day. She, or Hey-o! actually shows up to work, right. <laughs> <laughs> it is a birthday month for you. It is. It's very exciting. You it's like to celebrate exciting. the whole month, too, don't you? I really do because... You know, and it's the shortest month of the year, and that so that sort of helps me feel like I'm not being too uh, too over dramatic or uh, you know self congratulatory. Really? It's only 28 yeah. days. Yeah, it's only 28 days. But this one's for Come me. On. This one's for, for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, you only got to wait three weeks, and it'll be. I here. know. So, We're almost there. We're almost right. There. Right. Oh, man. All right. Welcome to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us, as Davis just said. Uh, happy February. Happy. Wow. You know, uh, I saw it on we're Twitter here. the other day. I'm going to say it again. We were into the cold snap in January. Somebody mm-hmm. said, listen, it's okay. February is a short month, and by the time we get to March, there's hope. Mm-hmm. You can see it. Yeah. So keep it together, fellas. Keep it together. It's we are... still a little cold out there. Yeah. Uh, Winter is far from over, but I feel like we're on the downhill slide. Yesterday, yesterday, mm-hmm. five thirty mm-hmm. in the afternoon. Yeah, I could still see. Oh well. Yeah. There you go, Mister Sunshine's doing his part. Miss, yes, he is. He's doing his part, getting stronger every day. Mm, okay, man. Indeed. Let's do it. Let's get started on the news. What do you got? Well, Chip, U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai yesterday announced the second dispute settlement panel under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement regarding Canada's dairy tariff rate quota allocation measures. Ambassador Tai says, quote, although the United States won a previous USMCA dispute on Canada's dairy TRQ allocation policies, the Canadian government's revised measures have not fixed the problem revisiting the dairy TRQs, Chip. Yeah, come on. Let's... Let's quit talking about it and just and take some action. How how long have we been talking about the need for Canada to follow the the rules of the USMCA? Mm. It let's just move forward. Take yep. some action on it. Well, the Environmental Protection Agency is months late in acting on a request by Midwestern governors to lift summertime restrictions on E15 sales for their states. 
EPA, by law, was required to issue an E-15 rule in response to the state's governors by last summer. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley blames the failure on energy politics. Whether you have a Republican or Democrat Congress, you tend to have big oil infiltrating uh, their ideas into the EPA and getting too much consideration. And so far, Chip, reportedly, EPA has been reluctant to comment on the matter. Yes, we talked, with, we, we talked with Joe Kakish yesterday, yep. General Counsel for Growth Energy. We talked to him yesterday morning. Listen to that conversation that we had with Joe yesterday morning. It, it's, uh, it gives us a lot of the information in there that we need to know. Well, Chip, Tuesday's cattle report from the Department of Agriculture shows cattle inventories are 3% lower than last year as some Western farmers and ranchers have liquidated their herds. American Farm Bureau Federation economist Bernd Nelson had this to say. All cattle and calves in the United States on January 1 were estimated at 89.3 million head. This was 3% lower than this time in 2022. And this is the lowest inventory since USDA's 88.2 million estimate in 2014. The calf crop came in at 34.5 million. This is down 2% from last year. The calf crop is really important because it kind of sets the tone for what supplies will be like. And Chip, in other cattle-related news, the Department of Ag Tuesday launched the Cattle Contract Library Pilot Program. USDA says the pilot library will provide new disclosure to the industry and public regarding the key terms, conditions, and volumes under which cattle are contracted. National Cattlemen's Beef Association Government Affairs, uh, uh, let's see, Government Affairs, Tanner Baymeyer said, quote, We have been looking forward to the launch of the Cattle Contract Library Pilot Program and will review the product to determine if its current format provides value to cattle producers. I suppose now the debate turns to, is this working, Chip? Uh, well, and, and this is part of the, yes, they are going to they are going to talk about whether or not this is providing the information that is, is needed by the industries to, to bring some transparency out there. This is half of the cattle market and transparency uh, bill from Fisher and Grassley, okay? So th- this... M- the, the fact that USDA went ahead and, and did this on its own kind of takes some of the momentum out of passage or consideration of the Grassley-Fisher bill. Well, quickly, CHIP central banks and institutions, including sovereign wealth funds, bought the largest volume of gold since 1967 and 2022. It marks the 13th consecutive year of net purchases. And President Biden's proposed budget for 2024 should be released March 9, Chip. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring in Margie Eckel, camp editor of The Scoop. Good morning, Margie. Good morning, Chip. All right. So what's the latest on the world of carbon and sustainable farming? You know, we are still in that messy middle of where things are going for carbon. So I want to share some of the latest news. You know, we have hundreds of farmers participating in these offset markets today. Truterra is expected to announce that they're going to pay 4.5 million in cash to 220 participating farmers. They're also simultaneously opening up their sign up for the 2023 program. So we're kind of developing this new time frame, this new rhythm for signups in the winter for the coming year's programs. Truterra also says that they are planning on announcing by the end of this year a program for those long-term practitioners. So whereas they've paid for a look-back program up to four years ago for the change practice, 
practice, trying to get engaged with farmers who have been long-term no-tillers yeah. or long-term cover crop users, really widening that funnel. When I talked to Truterra President Tom Ryan, he foresees a future where every farmer could be eligible to participate in these programs in some way. And then the other news coming from Truterra is a transition from a focus on offsets to new markets featuring insets. So such an example could be a, a low carbon grain and where the market is for that. And that's where they're hoping they can collaborate with their retail network today, 54 plus retailers and farmers and bring in new revenue streams for agriculture. Yeah. Get the premium for the product and for the, your sustainable ag practices that you've got in place by getting a premium for the crops that are produced. That's happening on cotton. Uh, Liz Burrell uh, selling uh, her cotton into uh, to North Face, to North Face. So yeah, it's an interesting concept. And I, I think it might work, Margie. It's it's an interesting concept. Good well, again, stuff. I like to say messy middle rather than yeah. wild west. So we'll yeah, continue I to like feel it. our way out. <laughs> I like it. All right. Thank you so much. That is Margie Camp, editor of The Scoop. We've got Representative Randy Feenstra next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Uh, what kind of radio program do you usually have here? Oh, we got both kinds, agra and talk. Welcome back to Agra Talk on this Wednesday morning. Davis Michelson is with us as well. Hello. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Representative Randy Feenstra from the 4th District of Iowa is joining us right now. Congressman, welcome back to AgriTalk. It's good to talk with you. Hey, it's great to be on AgriTalk, Chip. Uh, thanks for having me on today. You bet. You bet. Uh, you've got a busy couple of years ahead of you. Number one, let's talk about this one, Ways and Means Committee, the House Ways and Means Committee. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I tell you what, I'm really excited to be on the House Ways and Means Committee. I mean, first of all, it deals with general tax. So yeah. for our farming community, it deals with like-kind exchange, 179 depreciation, tax liabilities, including stepped-up in basis. I mean, think about that, allowing farmers to pass their farms on to the next generation. So that's part of it. The other part of, of it is is trade. I mean, when you deal with trade, uh, we're sort of asleep at the wheel right now, this administration is. And and so the Ways and Means handles specifically on trade. 
so we're, we're planning to do a lot of trade missions, trying to get some unilateral and bilateral lateral trade deals done. Um, okay. Also working with USMCA uh, to try to figure out our GMO problem. Okay. First target on a trade mission, or are we looking at the UK? I mean, it seems like that'd be an easy one to get done. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, the UK has to has to get done. I mean, they're doing a unilateral trade deal with Kansas right now. We have yeah. to make this a uh, federal deal. Um, and then also the Pacific Rim. I mean, there's so many countries in the Pacific Rim right now that want to do business with us. And, and again, we have just not engaged. So uh, we're going to take it upon ourselves to engage and, and see if we can get some export markets uh, producing some, some, some of our product and, and getting it uh, shipped overseas. Excellent. Excellent. And this all fits very well. Uh, you had to get a waiver to stay on the House Ag Committee, but there you are. Yeah, this was a really big deal for me. Obviously, the farm bill coming up, uh, I wanted to make sure that I was on, on the farm bill this year, and, and it all goes hand in hand. I mean, you think about trade, you think about the farm bill that deals with the market access program, deals with the farm market development program, uh, you know, both ways and means and agriculture and the farm bill, they all go together, and I'm excited to be on both committees, and hopefully I can do a lot of great things for our farming community. Okay, the last time that you and I talked about the farm bill, there was cautious optimism that that, that uh, you could get a farm bill done before the end of September 2023. What's your status on that now? <laughs> well, that, 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 is, that is a million-dollar question. Yep. You know, I think there is. We're holding a lot of hearings right now. I, I think we got a hearing in, in California next week. Uh, we're going to have one in the Midwest here shortly. Uh, it, it's all about having the hearings and, and then starting in April, May to start putting it together. The Senate is a lot further along than we are right now. So the Senate's got, got a lot of their farm bill written already. So there is hope. Obviously, it's just a matter of if we can come together and reach an agreement, both Senate and the House and Democrat and Republicans. So, uh, you know, obviously we're optimistic, but uh, talk to me in July and we'll, we'll see what, <laughs> what that looks like. Can you give us a gauge on how well the minority leadership in the House understands the importance of the farm bill? I, and I'm looking specifically at, at uh, ranking minority member uh, uh, Jeffries. How much education it, needs it, to be done there? Yeah, I think I, I think there has to be a lot of Akeem Jeffries. It's just a matter of, you know, we I grew up in the Midwest, so we know the farm markets. We understand uh, what, what it means when it comes to conservation, trade, energy, research and development, and all these other things. And, and when you have urban uh, members, uh, it, it becomes very, very hard, especially when they represent the coast. So this is, to me, a very big learning curve. And, and again, that's why I think a lot of these hearings have to be done across the United yeah. States. So, so I can understand what's happening in California, and the Californians can understand what's happening in the Midwest. Uh, yeah. You know, we had G.T. Thompson, the chair, uh, come down to the Farm Progress Show and to the State Fair just to show what Iowa has to offer. And that's yep. what needs to happen with all the members. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Uh, one that I know Davis uh, is watching very closely, and that is the Strategic Production Response Act, which is going to require the, the White House to refill the Strategic uh, Petroleum Reserve. What's, what's the status of that? What's next? And does it have a chance in the Senate? Yeah, well, so we passed it off the floor of the House last week, and, you know, it's all about a few months ago where Biden depleted our reserves to its lowest level since 1985. And we're simply saying, hey, 
we a got to fill them, but more importantly, I mean, a lot of it went to China. What are we doing here? So yeah. this, it, it bans uh, all reserves going to China and then requires it to be filled up again. And it's interesting if you look at it, there was quite a few Democrats that supported it in the House, and and now talking bipartisanly with the Senate, there's opportunity. Uh, Biden obviously really? puts him in a sticky wicket. Does he does he veto it or not? So. You know, over the next month, this one uh, actually has legs and could get through the Senate. If it gets through the Senate, it, well, all he has to do is not sign it. He doesn't even right. have I'm talking about President Biden. He doesn't yeah. he can just not sign it and let it go away or veto it. Um, right. That'll be interesting. And, and we have the power. I mean, if you look at the votes, we have the power to override his veto in, in the right. House. So, I mean, based on the last vote. Oh, so it, it would be interesting to see how that plays out. Yes, it would be. You know, it, it, it would be shameful if he wouldn't sign it. But, yeah. I mean, again, when you're giving uh, our petroleum to China, that, yep. that's egregious. Yep. Okay, so we're sending oil to China. Uh, the Farm Act, that it, 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 there's got to be a little focus on China on the far, with the Farm Act, too, isn't there? Yeah, this is my biggest push right now. I mean, the Farm okay. Act is, is understanding that, that – we're having all this land uh, being bought by China and, and other countries. And we believe that American farmland belongs to the American farmer. I mean, flat out, that's where it should. And, and what this simply does is that it requires that any land being purchased, that it has to go through oversight. It's got to go through a committee to say, all right, why are they buying it? Uh, is it a security situation? Um, should, should this be a, a purchase done by a, a foreign adversary? And, you know, this is, a, again, a big deal. I mean, there's, if you look at the state of Iowa, there's more land outside, the, the size of the state of Iowa, there's more land that's owned by, by foreign investors. So yeah. 36 and a half million acres are owned by foreign investors. So uh, I just think that, you know what, the farm producers have to pass their land on to the next generation, and we got to promote that instead of having uh, our adversaries buying our land. Okay. Yeah, you're hitting a nail right squarely on the head with, uh, with with many of the farmers that I've talked with this this winter, uh, Congressman, because it's not only the amount of farmland that they own, it's the location that they own it. And yes. it looks to be that there was some very strategic uh, intentions in mind when they purchased some of this land. Yeah, well, they bought land in Grand Forks, North Dakota, by the Fu Fong Group, Chinese-based manufacturer, close ties with the China Communist country, that was just adjacent to a military installation. So yeah. that's a real concern. But for, for for the farming community, here's my great fear: is that when you start having land being purchased, you know, we have a lot of technology, our seeds, or and everything that we're doing, and obviously China wants to know about that too. So. So it's not only the military, but it's also all the technology and what we're doing uh, for, for our farmers uh, for production and value added and things like that. But you know what? Uh, we got to protect it. Okay. All right. Let's jump over to EPA and the Waters of the U.S. final rule. Uh, why didn't they wait for the Supreme Court decision on this for this summer? <laughs> You want to get me fired up today, don't you? This, this, <laughs> this, 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 this one fires me up. You're exactly right. right? You know, we have a, we have a court case at the Supreme Court. The, the 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 bottom line is we need to wait 
before we do anything with WOTUS. But the EPA doubled down by expanding the significant nexus test, uh, which, again, comes down to subjective ter- determination yeah. uh, that the federal government can regulate, uh, whether it's a mud puddle or a little creek uh, on navigable waters. And you know, you think about the, what this does to our local farms is that any activity, moving dirt, plowing, building a fence, that will require a federal permit. Yeah. And, and this is, again, egregious. And I'm so frustrated with the EPA. I get it. It's a ping pong ball where the Trump administration, you know, first yeah. of all, Obama went strict and then Biden yep. rele- let it loose. And now we're back to even worse than, than under Obama. So I'm just frustrated and I'm hoping, so hoping that okay. the Supreme Court comes down with their uh, uh, their decision here shortly. Okay. I've only got about 20 seconds left here. Year-round availability nationwide for e15 what's the odds yeah the bottom line this is a big odds right because both democrats and republicans support this um all the ethanol plants see this is the number one issue that we can have consistency and make sure that it's year-round it's got to happen and i think it will that's outstanding representative randy feenstra fourth district of iowa thank you so much sir what a great conversation well done hey it's always great to be on thank you for having me on agri talk you bet. All right. Uh, hey, we're going to be right back. We're going to keep the conversation going on several of these topics. We've got Tim from Iowa, Bob from Missouri, next on the Farmer Forum. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Beach. first things first, let's go to the livestock trade and the cattle inventory report. Didn't really see anything in there that was too surprising. What about you? No, not surprising, uh, but underlying data is bullish, very yeah. bullish. Uh, you know, the beef herd is the smallest since 1962, so, um, you know, just a huge decline there. And it's going to get smaller. Uh, we just don't have the heifer numbers. So, uh, you know, it, the calf crop is going to be smaller again in 2023 and, and uh, will continue to decline. So, um, you know, that's bullish underlying data but but like you said nothing really that surprised the market and and uh as a result we're seeing the feeder cattle uh which had big gains yesterday uh post sharp losses this morning live cattle futures are are sliding a little bit to the downside waiting on cash cattle trade to develop there right take us over to the the lean hogs real quick 
Yeah, uh, so not so fast, my friend, I think is what the market's <laughs> saying, uh, especially in the deferred contracts. Uh, just not convinced that the seasonal lows in place yet in the cash index. And, and uh, um, we've seen more volatility in, in uh, those contracts here recently, but uh, facing heavy pressure here this morning. Gotcha. All right. Take us over to the grain trade. Some real mixed trade and a lot of spread movement today. Yeah, uh, so soy oil, uh, that, that one's being spread pretty heavily against uh, soy meal. Uh, the front end of the meal market's a little bit weaker, but soy oil futures are sharply lower. Uh, the soybean market, uh, it's under pretty heavy pressure here uh, on some uh, corrective selling after recent gains. Uh, that's influencing the corn market, which is also mostly weaker. And, and wheat, uh, it's kind of all over the board. Uh, SRW contracts weaker and the other two markets are higher. Excellent. Thank you, Brian. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Our name says it all. AgriTalk. What more do you need to know? All right, welcome back to AgriTalk. Great conversation there, Davis, uh, with uh, Representative Feenstra. We actually we had that hold conversation. on to his number. We probably should. We probably yeah. should. We actually had that conversation yesterday, and mm-hmm. I was looking forward to listening to it again. And, and yeah. it, it, it did not disappoint me at all. Uh, priority list seems in check and uh, seems like he's, he's dealing with a lot of the issues that I think Midwest farmers in particular, okay, in particular, the Midwest guys want to see dealt with in in the next couple of years. So let's talk to a couple of Midwest farmers on the Farmer Forum right now. We've got Bur- Bob Birdsell from Northwest Missouri. Bob, what's going on, buddy? Uh, just a beautiful day here today. Uh, a little cold this morning, but it's supposed to warm up into the upper 30s this afternoon. So I want to say Happy New Year to you guys. I hadn't talked to you for a while, and congratulations yeah. to Davis. Hey, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Yep, yep, yep. He's uh, he's down in your part of the world now, Bob. Well, I thought he must be because he'd been given south temperatures awful close to mine, so I uh, thought he right. got moved down a little closer. Well, the, I felt like the Chiefs and the Royals especially needed my help. Thought I'd throw in my, uh, my mojo here in the great state of Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it, love it. All right, Tim Barak, Northeast Iowa. Tim, it's not 30 degrees uh, here today. We've got 13, but it's a whole lot better than what it was yesterday, isn't it? Yes. So yesterday at this time, it was about 10 below, so it's yeah. uh, warming up nicely. Warming up very nicely. Okay, speaking of warming up, we've got the legislative process out in Washington, D.C. warming up. Uh, the conversation there with Randy it, it, Tim, I think you got to hear most of it. Uh, it seems like an ambitious guy. I mean, here he is on the House Ways and Means Committee. Here he is on the House Ag Committee. This is those are the two committees that, if they're going, the, those are the two committees that are going to be most in focus in the year ahead, aren't they? Yes. Not only is Iowa fortunate to have Randy on these committees, but agriculture in general is very so. fortunate to have Randy on both of these committees. He's going to be a busy guy, but yep. it's important, and it's unusual that he'd be on both committees, so that just speaks 
to his uh, his unique relationship there, evidently with the speaker and the, speaker. the respect they have for him. Yep, yep. Let's talk farm bill here before we get to anything. Did you when when I asked him how much education needs to go on with the minority leadership in the House, and I pointed at Minority Leader Jeffries in particular, Bob. He said there's a lot of education that needs to take place there, and then he quickly went to that's why we're we're having the holding the uh, the farm bill sessions across the country. Uh, I I didn't think. And the reason, the reason, Bob, that I think that this is so important is because the Democrats in the House and in the Senate do a really, really good job of sticking together. Therefore, I was thinking if we can get Jeffries in on support of the farm bill, whatever that final farm bill looks like, the the Democrat Party faithful will come along with their support as well. I don't know. Is that simplifying it too much, Bob? I don't know. You know that you've got to hope that, but you know, it, you even look just local about <clears throat> how how few people really understand farming anymore. That you know, yeah. it's just a constant. Uh, you need to be in constant education mode all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. And understanding Congress is even much is probably even more difficult. Tim, was is my initial thought there? Is that too simple? <laughs> Yes and no. I mean, it would be great to get him out here, just like uh, the congressman mentioned, getting Thompson to the Farm Progress Show. Yep. And it's important that they understand production agriculture in all its different forms, which is extremely variable and and unique. But it still comes down to nutrition. You know, it's yeah. still nutrition. Eighty-four yep. percent of the farm bill is nutrition. So we get our sliver. Yep. Trillion dollar price tag on the nutrition title. Trillion. My goodness gracious. Uh, Tim, what did you think when Feenster said a lot of uh, that the Senate has done a lot of the farm bill work already, that they've got a lot of their bill written? Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's going to be unique how they decide to spend all of that. So much of it is was focused on conservation. Yeah. And uh, that and the USDA put it together. I haven't seen details on what they're thinking, but I agree. Um, so much money has already been appropriated for for conservation that a lot of people don't think we can get a farm bill this year. But I don't see why we shouldn't get a farm yeah. bill this year with the Senate work. Well, and and with, uh, with Senate Chairwoman uh, Stabenow, on the Senate Ag Committee already announcing that she does not want or that she is not going to run in 2024. Uh, this is some of her legacy work here, guys. She wants to be remembered for her work on the Senate Ag Committee. And this is an opportunity for her to leave a mark on specialty crops because that's what she is very much into. I, I, you can't rule out the new the the nutrition title and and um, the SNAP program uh, because she wants to have an impact there. Uh, so it's it, it is a legacy issue for her, and she, and she wants to. Uh, I think she wants to get it done as quickly as she can. So we'll see how that I, goes. Chip, I, I, I believe that. I don't think it'll get hung up there. I think it'll right. get hung up in on SNAP nutrition and how much 
the House Republicans want to spend yeah. or not spend. Right. Right. It may and work not, requirements. Yep. yep. Yeah. The last time we went down this path, remember, it ended up uh, splitting the nutrition program away from the farm bill. It ultimately came back together. But, uh, boy, that was a that that was an eye-opening experience the last time around. Uh, I know Conaway didn't enjoy that at all uh, as he was trying to to navigate that. So, uh, okay, the Farm Act, it, it deals with uh, foreign ownership of U.S. farmland. You know, I can't believe how much it's moved into the spotlight here, guys, and I'm not exactly sure why. I mean, This morning on Fox Business, they even spent some time talking about it. They featured Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin, who – is looking less and less like a governor and, and somebody that has higher aspirations all the time. But he addressed it in his state of the state. U.S. Air Force telling the good people of Grand Forks to find a new partner for that corn milling plant up there in North Dakota. And then North Dakota Governor Burgum agreeing with them. Bob, when you are we finally moving in the right direction on the foreign ownership issues? Well, I hope so. You know, and it's like I sent you in that. Uh, earlier that, you know, they've, they've got a big, I forget where it's at, they're down in Texas. They've got a big ranch next to, a, I think, an Air Force base down in Texas there somewhere. And then Missouri buckled under uh, way back when, whenever China wanted to buy Smithfield Foods. Uh, we was the, the holdup because we, uh, corporations and the way we had some things set up on owning land that uh, they couldn't buy Smithfield Foods until the Missouri finally buckled and let them buy Smithfield so they could and so they could own yeah. what was left of premium standards here in Missouri. So yeah, yeah, Tim, the train is leaving the station. <laughs> I just don't know where it's going to arrive and when. So, what is your overall take on this? I mean, you look at what's going on up there in North Dakota, and it's right outside the Air Force Base. Bob mentioned the one down in Texas. That's also near an Air Force Base. We, we've got to got to put a foot down at some point, right? Tim? Well, I'll comment. I don't yeah. know if you, you addressed it to Bob. Um, you know, I always read John Phipps, and he talks about yep. a very small percentage of, of foreign-owned farmland. Yep. Today, I don't know if it's an issue as far as ownership as much as it is location. Yeah. And that seems to be the driving factor. And yep. I know that it's increasing, and I believe restrictions are coming. I just don't know how fast and what they'll look like, as was my right. point earlier. Well, yeah. and just for the statistician in me, Canada actually leads in foreign ownership of U.S. farmlands, somewhere around 30-some-odd percent. China's pretty low on that list in single-digit percentages, but... But, Tim, I think you're exactly right. What's disconcerting is not that China yep. owns land necessarily. It's the proximity to sensitive uh, sensitive areas, sensitive uh, targets. Yeah. Well, yeah. Here, here's... The, it, it, land, isn't, land isn't as much an issue to me as it is food companies. You've got, you've mm-hmm. got uh, Smithfield, you've got JCB. Those are the issues that I think are more interesting and maybe more... Yep. Um, Alarming. Concerning, yeah, alarming. There yeah, very good. There's the word. There's yep. the word. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. So here's here's what the Air Force said about the situation or the the land ownership up there around Grand Forks. 
And this was just out yesterday. The U.S. Air Force has stated that it views it view is ambiguous. The proposed project presents a significant threat to national security with both near and long-term risks of significant impacts to our operations in the area. Uh, that is probably strong enough for us to anticipate that that, uh, that, that project up in, in North Dakota is going to go in another direction. I can't believe that we're bumping up against the break already. Okay, guys, when we come back, um, let's, let's talk about, uh, we got to hit the cattle inventory report real quick with Bob, and then let's talk about global trade. All right. How is this thing moving forward? What do you see for it? And we should get, uh, some biofuels conversation in here as well. It's a farmer forum. We've got Bob Birdsell from Missouri, Tim Barak from Northeast Iowa. We'll be back with more AgriTalk in a moment. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on Agritar. All right, welcome back to Agritar. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us this morning for the Farmer Forum. Uh, we've got Bob Birdsell from Northwest Missouri, Tim Barak from uh, Northeast Iowa. Bob, uh, let's talk a little bit about the cattle inventory report. It was out yesterday afternoon. In it, it showed us the beef replacement heifers down 6%. The trade was kind of looking for a 3 to 4% decline in the beef replacement heifers. Dude, I'm just not seeing any recovery or rebuilding of the beef cow herd at this time. Are you? Not not right now. It's, me and Tim was talking about it during the break there. And, you know, it, it's a it's a bunch of different things, you know, drought and uh, labor and uh cash flows and uh you know our cow herd is i've been doing some looking here over the winter and it looks like i need to roll over at least a third of our cow herd so because of age we was there and we was needing the cash flow so we were selling heifers instead of keeping them and yeah. uh so we're going to have to do some major for thinking on what what we want to do and how we want to move forward but because i've got some cows that's got to go down the road here in the next yeah. two years yeah and, you know, the way that that cow market is right now, I don't know if you've checked it lately, Bob, but it makes it easier to make that decision to do it because there's some money to be made on them. Yeah. You know, I, I you know, you sell bulls that you get almost almost as much out of them for 
slaughter is what you paid for them if you didn't yeah. go out and buy some really high-priced bulls. Yeah, yeah, it is it is really, really crazy what's happening there. Uh, I'm not, Chip, uh, Chip, what's, what, Chip, what's the yeah. state going to cost me in two years if, if this <laughs> is the trend? Um. I I don't. It I'm not going to put on a how price. Much foreign beef gets shipped in. Well, foreign beef imports. That's that's something to consider. But think about that, guys. You know, we talk about imports and 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 so on. And but we're in the export market. And the export market is a billion dollars into China alone. So we've got to remember if we're going to play in the export market, we got to play in the import market. I just don't think now that imported beef we got to treat it right. It needs to be labeled as such, and it's a hamburger market. That's that's what we're importing. So that steak, Tim, I don't. I, I'm not going to put a price on it, but I will say this: it'll cost you more in two years than what it does right now. Well, I hope you're buying. Well, I usually <laughs> do. <laughs> oh, that's not true. That is so false. <laughs> the company pays for it. Well, and when I stop by Tim's, it's usually pork chops on the grill. So, uh, yeah. so. Okay. Okay. Let let's let's go on to you. You sent me a couple of articles this morning on or an article on Green Plains, and it looks like there's an effort there or a process that has started to move away from the ethanol market to the sustainable aviation fuel market. Is that is is that the bottom line there, Tim? Yeah, I thought that was an interesting announcement that really came out yesterday, what Green Plains is going to do with United, or or in essence, they've got a deal to supply United with yep. sustainable aviation fuel. This is an ethanol trend yep. that if the tax incentives stay in place, if people continue to drive to renewables, that I don't think this will be the first one. Jivo's already been working on the research to do that, yep. and it may be a huge savior to ethanol and renewable diesel as these conversions. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Here's a controversial issue that I want to talk about with you real quick, Tim, as well. And that's the CO2 pipelines. Boy, you're either, you're either on board or you're completely against, and there's not a lot in the middle on this one, is there? doesn't seem to be, but my first question to anybody that listens is, unless the pipeline is going through your property, number one, why do you care? And two, should anyone have a voice unless it's the landowner himself? Yeah. This issue has got so blown up through false information that it, it, it's hard to even get to the truth anymore. Okay. So the truth, according to Tim Burak, what, what oh, is that? No. Well, I don't know if it's truth according to me. It's The, the facts are that yeah, okay. the world is decarbonizing. The world is decarbonizing. The government has made a decision to major, make a huge financial commitment to decarbonize. Many large industries are willing are made the decision to decarbonize, and they're willing to pay agriculture to decarbonize. And part of that is the ethanol industry, which because of their pure stream of CO2 all coming off the fermentation tanks, 98% pure CO2, it's probably the most collectible and pure form of CO2 available right now that oh, yeah. that's why it's focused on us. And so now we've got an opportunity to capture it, 
sequester it and get paid to do it. Yeah. But but that's all been lost. And the fact that it'll re- come back down to me as a corn grower, I figure it's worth 70 cents a bushel to me if the ethanol plant can decarbonize. And when yeah. you can take ethanol right away, cut its carbon index score in half by by putting it in a pipeline, and then in a few years with other practices, we could be carbon negative. That gives us a place to play in the future of fuels in this country and around the world versus maybe ethanol going away if they're not decarbonized. Right. It's a heady now, I don't process. Know. That's according to me. That's that's what you hear. It is, yeah. Those aren't my words. Those are what I'm told. Yeah, I, I hear you. And and you're not just told. You're into the conversations, and you're into the conversations big time on this issue. So it's it's a thought out. It's uh, it's a thoughtful response to that question, and I appreciate that, Tim, because people are still making up their decisions. Heck, they're making people are still making up their their minds not only on a CO two pipeline and whether or not they should be supporting it or not. They're still making up their minds on whether or not. Uh, you know, reduced tillage is the way for them to go on their operation. It's, uh, yeah, Margie said it at the at the start of the show. We're it's it's messy right now, and people are trying to sort it out. And, and uh, we're going to continue to be a part of the conversation. You guys are great. Thank you so much, Tim Barack up in Northeast Iowa, Bob Birdsell, Northwest Missouri. Appreciate you guys. Be good. Be safe. Stay warm. We'll talk with you again soon. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Tip. Thanks a lot. All right. Come back this afternoon. We've got Jared Creed, JC Marketing, right here on Agritalk.